Pastor. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke tonight, chapter number 16. The Gospel of Luke, chapter number 16. I've enjoyed these days of being with you in the meeting and uh, being here in the services, all the good singing and the messages we heard the other night. And I want to commend this church. I thank you for being faithful. Every night you've been in your place. Most all of you have been faithful to come. I do appreciate it. I want to say that. I appreciate the choir, Brother Dan, all of them being faithful, the musicians being in their place. And even now, nursery workers and people that are laboring, I will say I appreciate all that. Now, tonight, I, I need your help, okay? I want you to look at me. I need your help. I've not asked for anything since I got here in this meeting. I've not asked for a thing. Uh, I've not hinted about financial assistance. Uh, I have not uh, been hitting on any of the members privately about needs that I may have. I've not said a thing to anybody. But what I need tonight is I need some commitment out of you. Uh, you say, well, Brother Buster, we're here. Okay, I'm glad. Now, here's what I want us to do. This is what I feel like the Lord's put on my heart. I'd like to see us Sunday, Sunday morning, that we put a drive. I, maybe not the word drive is the right word, but we put forth effort. Bring somebody with us to the house of God that's lost or backslidden away from God that needs help from the Lord. And that's all I'm asking of you. I'm not asking for anything else. Nothing monetarily you have or anything. Like I'm asking you to help me. Let's bring somebody Sunday to the house of God. Now we've got March Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You'll have time to rest and get over this meeting uh, physically, you know what I'm saying, and get some rest able to get back to norm, normal things, but we can visit, you know, make a couple of phone calls. You say, preacher, I really don't know nobody. Bring. There's, there's probably a teenager in your neighborhood. You'll just look. Uh, here a while back, my son, he wanted to bring somebody to church, and I said, well, John, I said, get one of your buddies, one of the little next door neighbors, and we got him to go with us to church and took him to the house of God. Now, how many, I, now, I, I want you to help me. How many of you now, don't raise your hand just out of obligation. But how many of you know somebody that's lost and somebody that you feel like maybe out of church? Back, we don't want to get nobody else's church members. We're not after that. But how many of you know somebody you think you might be able to get to come Sunday uh, prayerfully? Maybe you can get them to come. Would you raise your hand? Now, I mean, we're going to go after them. Now, try to bring them and get them to be here on Sunday. We'll call it friend day. We'll call it whatever you want to call it. But we're just going to try to bring somebody to the house of God that's lost. But the Lord willing, with the help of the Lord, I, I, I never predict what I'm going to preach. I never tell night by night what I'm going to preach. I usually don't know. But uh, I, Lord willing, the Lord will give me a message on salvation, uh, something to the lost. And man, wouldn't it be something to us? We could see some people get saved, get born again, and, and get in the family of God. Now, I, tell, I love this church. Y'all are special to me the first time I came. Y'all have been real special to me, been good to me. And your pastor is just a gracious pastor, one of the most gracious men I've ever been with. And uh, he's just a blessing to me. And we've had good fellowship. And I'd love to see some folk get saved. And, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Just, just It's something that we need. Man, y'all been faithful. You've been in your place. We've been eating the good word of God. You know, that message is coming back to me a little bit the other night. When Joseph said, see that you fall not out by the way. You see, he gave them provisions for the way. And what they could have done, they could have sat down and ate those groceries, reveled in the garments, and just glamorized the wagons, and they forgot all about those that they were sent to get. And may the Lord help us now. And 
you raised your hand, and we may pray in a little while. I'm not going to be long tonight, Lord willing. Uh, I really don't know what I'm going to do tonight. I had a preacher call me a while ago. He's preached in this pulpit. He's preached. It was Brother Joe Arthur. He's been with you before in meetings. He called me earlier this evening and was talking to me, sharing some things. And, and I just, uh, just had the heaviness on my heart. But I want us to look tonight in Luke chapter 16. You know these verses as well as I do. And, uh, and there's some people that we can get on focus in on our hearts and get a burden for. Well, I tell you, when you get when you see somebody get saved, it, it just does something for you. Pastor and I was talking about it today. Uh, when somebody gets saved, I mean, you just can't. It's just like getting saved all over yourself. Uh, you know, and sometimes personal illustrations make them, the individual look good. But I'm not the soul winner. God's convicted me and dealt with me some. I'm not the soul winner that I ought to be. And uh, that doesn't say that I don't give out tracts and I don't witness to folk. But the Lord's just convicted me some, some more. Son, you need to be more conscious uh, about souls. When I first got saved and started preaching, all I knew to preach on was hell and heaven, you know, and, and trying to reach people. And sometimes we get involved in so many other things, we forget the lost. Forget the lost. I had to take several weeks off this year. And uh, during those days, my truck, the old truck I've got, uh, I call it a trash truck, but uh, I took it down there to the place where I have it worked on. The boy that runs that shop, his name is Rick. He goes to my brother's church. And they've got a boy that works in there. He's not a boy. He's 38 years old. And his name is Ed. And uh, Ed, then he had a big old burly beard and, and, I mean, big bushy hair. And he had a scar. There's a scar on Ed's face that runs from his cheek all the way down to about right here. And uh, he sold cocaine and, you know, whatever. I mean, he's just been wicked, lived a wicked life. And I've been down there several times to that little garage. And uh, when I was off this time, I went down there, and I thought my truck was skipping and missing. I went in there, and the Lord had everything set up right. Ed had never talked to me before. He avoided me. He knew I was a preacher and evangelist, you know. And uh, I never did go down there Bible-thumping him, and I never did go down there, you know, trying to pour anything down him. But but he knew that I was a preacher. And that day when I got there, there wasn't nobody in there but Ed. And uh, I walked in there, and I said, Ed, I said, uh, How's things going? We got struck up a conversation. He said, Preacher, something read my Bible. Well, I thought that, you know, maybe now, I, you know, I just sensed that something was going on. He said, Preacher, I've been reading my Bible. Now, I said, What about it, Ed? What are you seeing? They said, Preacher, said, I don't understand it really, but I've been reading it. And uh, I said, Ed, let me ask you a question. What is your personal relationship with the Lord? He said, Preacher, I don't have one. He said, I don't know the Lord Jesus. And I said, Ed, would you like to get saved? And he said, Preacher, that's what I've been praying about. He said, I've been praying that God would send somebody to help me know how to get saved. And, uh, you know, uh, there's that's what I was thinking. But there's a lot of Eds out there. And uh, he's rough, you know. I mean, you know, he's rough. He's an old rough lumber. But uh, that day, he took his old hat off, put it on a tire changer, and knelt down, and got saved with the grace of God. And uh, this is a good story I like because he went home, and he got his wife to go to church, and his wife got saved. And they're trying to reach their family now. Of course, they didn't go to our church. They went to another sister church. But I'm just glad that Ed got saved. So we need for the Lord to, to help us to focus again on those that are lost out there and that need to be saved. Now here in Luke chapter 16, you know this is dealing the verses that I'll read tonight in verse 19 down through verse number 31. It's the old, old story about a place called hell. I cut this out of the newspaper here a while back and it 
It said church historians sees decline in the belief in hell as a modern tread. Now think about what it's saying now. This church historian, he said uh, he's a professor at the University of Chicago Divinity School. He said one of the greatest events in modern, uh, he even uses Roman Catholic history, is the decline of purgatory and hell. He went on to say that neither Catholics nor Protestants have repealed the doctrines of eternal damnation, but are ceasing to make much of them. Now, I understand. We know we're not Protestants. We're not Protestants. We're Baptists. We never, we, listen, we're Baptist people. But uh, what he's saying here, this is a professor uh, of a divinity school, a religious school, quote unquote, and he talks about how there's a, a decline in the belief in hell. You know, this was printed in 1986. I cut this out. This piece of paper's almost turned yellow. I've cut it in my Bible. If that was so in 86, what do you think people are thinking in 1997? And uh, they think we're not making much of hell. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. As much as we'd rather not think about it, our loved ones and our friends and our family members and our relatives that are not saved, if they die without the Lord Jesus, they're going to hell. That's your son, that's your daughter, that's your dad, that's your mom, that's your brother, that's your sister. And uh, well, I remember those days when I carried such a burden for my brother that's been here with you before. And uh, maybe maybe that's the reason God was so long in letting my brother get saved. I preached more on hell, it seemed like back then. And I had a, a greater burden for people to get saved. And I'd pray for my brother. You understand what I'm saying? I could almost see him in, in the charcoal walls of a place called hell. And uh, we need to get back to having a burden. And asking God to help us and bring in sinners to the church to hear the gospel. I'm going to give you four or five things tonight, right out of these verses, on some things in hell that are needed in our church. Some things that you'll find here, the concept in hell that are needed in our church. Now tonight, the subject we're dealing with on hell, it's not up for debate. As far as we're concerned, it's a scriptural fact. It's a settled fact right here in the Word of God. We know there's no such thing as purgatory. We have those that are here that used to be Catholics that have been saved. We know there's no such thing as purgatory. When an individual dies, if they die lost without the Lord Jesus, the next second they'll be in hell. But notice what the Bible said. The Lord Jesus is speaking in Luke chapter number 16, verse 19. The Bible said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, 
so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father. And can you imagine this? This is just not a story that the Lord is telling. Our Lord, I don't, I do not believe Luke 16 is a parable. Our Lord never used proper names when he'd give a parable. And I believe he's telling of a story that he really knew that was so. And the Bible said in verse number 27, he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, what he's saying, they have the five, first five books of the Bible. Uh, that's the ones that Moses pinned down. They have the prophets. Let them hear the scriptures is what he's saying. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now tonight you've read this passage over and over and over again. And I pray that the Lord might make these truths real to us tonight about some things that are in hell that need to be in our church and in our hearts afresh and anew. I'm not going to try to preach hard. I'm not trying to preach a spectacular message. I'm not trying to preach necessarily even a good message. I'm trying to preach what I feel is a burden upon my heart. Now, number one in verse number 23. You know what the rich man had in hell that we need when he got there? He had clearness of sight. Clearness of sight. He lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Well, when the rich man wound up in hell, and may I say this tonight, lest anybody misunderstand. The rich man did not die and go to hell because he was rich. And Lazarus didn't get to go to paradise because he was poor. Lazarus was a believer and the rich man was an unbeliever, friend. And here when he arrived in hell, the Bible teaches here that he had clearness of sight. You say, preacher, see, what could he see? Well, he could see the paradise of heaven, if you will. He could see over into paradise where Abraham's bosom was at that time. And he saw those that were comforted. He saw those that were comforted. And tonight, I, I don't need to preach much on heaven. Most of us have read about heaven. We believe in heaven. And we know that uh, there is a heaven. But notice something else. He not only saw the paradise of heaven, but he saw the punishment of hell. He saw what it was to be tormented in a place called hell. He had clearness of sight, friend. And, and it seems like somehow that our sight toward sinners has become unclear. We're not focusing upon them like we used to and trying to reach them. And I don't know what's happened to us, how we've missed this right here, but we need to get our eyes back upon the fields that are white already unto harvest. And we need to try to reach somebody. Somebody tried to reach you. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody brought you a gospel track. Somebody brought you to church. Somebody loved you. Somebody cared for you. A Sunday school teacher. A personal worker. I'm telling you, somebody tried to bring you to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's some sitting right here tonight. And they're here because of somebody that cared for them. And got them to come to this church. 
and I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but uh, there's some folk here that uh, my, my sister-in-law, Amanda, she said, when you go, that's been a year or so ago when I came over here, she said, man, she said, I've got some family over there, and Brother Buster, they need to hear the gospel, they, they need to hear the truth, and, and like for them to get in over there, and thank God they got in, and said they got saved by the grace of God, that she had a burden for her loved ones, and, and we too need that burden, clearness of sight. Now notice what he saw, I'm talking about the punishment of hell. He saw, notice, he saw the reality of the place. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, that when that rich man lifted up his eyes in hell, that he knew the reality of a literal burning place called hell. Now, there's no need to debate it tonight. I mean, some people say, well, hell's a figment of the imagination. Some say there's so much hell down here that why would a loving God send somebody lost to a place called hell? Well, God did not prepare hell for the sinner. The hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. That man goes to hell as an intruder, friend. God does not want anybody to have to die and go to hell. But when the rich man got there, he saw the reality of the place in hell, the reality of the punishment. The scripture said, being in torment. And you've heard men of God in days gone by try to describe the torment. We don't have enough adjectives. We don't have the vocabulary. But can you imagine a soul? Now you say, Brother Buster, I thought they buried the rich man. They took his body and buried it. Well, you understand, the body is what we used to get around in. The real me lives on the inside of this body. The real you lives inside that body. And, and though they buried the rich man's body, yet in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. He was engulfed with flames. Mark 9 said it's a place where the worm, that's S-K-O-L-E-X, it means a worm that preys upon dead bodies. It's a place where the worm... Dieth not. Can you imagine one of our loved ones going there? One of our family members, one of our friends dying and going to hell to never, never get out. To be there for all eternity, friend, in hell. All the torments. Have you ever burned yourself? Have you ever burned yourself? you ever backed up to a warm morning stove? Have you ever laid your hand on a hot eye? Have you ever been burnt? And the pain just burned your little finger and it races through your whole body. That, that sensation of being burnt. Can you imagine? Well, listen, you say, preacher, you're a little naive and a little old-fashioned. I believe that there's literal fire in a literal hell where people will spend a literal eternity. You get to thinking about that. I'm telling you now. It, it, it'll, you say, preacher, see, I can't think on that much. Uh, Brother Buster, if I get to thinking like that, it'll begin to affect me. Uh, it, it'll begin to, it ought to affect us. Uh, it, it ought to do something to us. Let me ask you a question tonight. If you went out of here on this road and you headed down the street and let's say there was a gas line. That, I mean, a gas line had erupted and there was fire coming out of the manholes and there was a manhole that was uncovered. Fire was just coming out of it everywhere and you saw a blind man. Let's say you saw a blind man tapping with a white cane trying to cross the street and there he is about ready to plunge off into that fire and be burnt. Would you not run out there and try to stop him? 
Would you not scream and say, hey man, hey, wouldn't you, if he wouldn't listen, wouldn't you run out there and grab him and, and even tackle him and try to keep him from falling that fire? Sure we would. Sure we would. I mean, we'd be less than human if we wouldn't do that. Well, I'm telling you, we need to see sinners plunging off into a Christless eternity to spend forever. Oh, the reality of the place, the reality of the punishment, and the reality of paradise. He saw Abraham afar off. Notice what he said. He prayed for mercy. I mean, there's a prayer meeting going on in hell, friend. I mean, I mean, he prayed. I don't, I've heard some preachers say, well, nobody in hell prays. I'm telling you, this man prayed. He cried and prayed for mercy in verse 24. He prayed for water in verse number 24. He prayed for a missionary to be sent to his family. He wanted Lazarus to go back. And Lazarus was a neighbor. He was more than a missionary. He was a neighbor. I mean, the reason that the rich man wanted Lazarus to go back was evidently because Lazarus had witnessed to him. He had seen Christ, if you will, in Lazarus' life. He had seen God in Lazarus' life. And he said, please send him back. Please back. When you look at people, what do you think? When you go to the malls and when you sit in an airport or, or when, you, when you go down here to the eating place and said, Father Abraham, he cried out. And it's as though he's making a petition or making a prayer, a request. It's almost like he's interceding for his five brothers. I mean, isn't it awful that somebody in hell would have more of a burden for sinners than we here on earth do? Think about that. He probably had no burden for his family while he was alive. But when that rich man died, he says nothing about his mother and dad. No, nothing about sending Lazarus to my mother and my dad. I've often wondered why not. Were they already dead and in hell? Or were they in paradise? The Bible doesn't say. But he had five brothers that were coming right behind him. And he said, Lord, please. He cries in supplication. We need to be crying out again. You, do you remember ever having a burden for somebody that's lost? Do you ever remember crying tears and, and weeping before God and, and saying, Lord, let me try to reach somebody with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, you say, well, preacher, see, we're just young then. We're just novices then. Then God help us. If we've grown so much that we've lost sight of sinners, friends, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Clearness of sight. I don't want to stay long on this, but in verse number 26, you could say that in hell there's completeness of separation. And I, I know the preacher made mention a Monday afternoon when you mention separation in an independent Baptist church anymore, start talking about living clean and living holy, you just about killed the service. But I tell you what, there was complete separation in hell. I mean, there was a gulf that divided that thing and, and the sinners were on one side and, and the saints were in Abraham's bosom on the other side. There was complete separation. And there needs to be that more and more in our lives. You say, Brother Buster, I'm living a pretty good life for God, but there needs to be more separation in all of our lives. We need to get more holy. We need to get more like Christ. We need to lay aside besetting weights and sins that doth so easily beset us. And we need to say, Lord, help me to be more like you. More like you. There's room for improvement in my life and in your life. That's right. Completeness of separation. I jotted this down because of the experience of salvation. 
I mean, the world's looking to see something different in us that name the name of Christ, friend. And uh, by the way, they can't see what's in your heart. I tell you how they read us. 2 Corinthians 3, 2. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. They read our lives, our conversation, our manner of life, where we go and how we dress. The sinners are looking at us that name the name of Christ. Amen. That's the reason believers ought not to be in questionable places. That's the reason that we ought to do right and, and be right as best there is within us to live for God. Completeness of separation because of the experience of salvation and because of the example to society and because we're expecting the Savior to come. We ought to try to live holy lives. You know what some of us are doing? You know what we try to do? We get saved by the grace of God and get bored again. And, and what we want to do, we want to walk on the edge. We want to walk as close to the world as we can and, and hang on to the world with one hand and, and hang on to God with the other. But Amos 3.3 3 said, How can two walk together except they be agreed? You know it's so, folk. I mean, we want to go so far and, and say, Well, you know, I, I know Brother Ryle preaches on living right and dressing right and, and being a good Christian, but uh, I think a little bit that's old-fashioned. I'm going to take. we need a whole lot more old-fashioned principles and standards and convictions about every one of us. Amen. And I don't want to bog down here. But I still believe in the old time way. Don't you? I believe when you see me at Dollywood, you've got a right to see me at Dollywood. Now, I may not be in a suit and a tie, and I might be in a suit and a tie, but I tell you what I ought not be. I ought not be up there dressed some way that you'd bow your head and say, my goodness, that's the guy we had over there preaching for us. And man, I thought he was a preacher. That's what some of you would say. My goodness, look at that man. He, hey, I mean, just listen, and because I'm a preacher, I know that puts more on me. I, I, where much is required, little is, much is given, much is required. Required. And, and I ought to live right, but you ought to live right too. Amen. Well, I don't want to be a stumbling block to some sinner. And sinners are looking for reasons to try to stay out of church, and, and God help us not to give them any. I've heard sinners say, Well, I'd go up there with those hypocrites. Those hypocrites. And I tell you what, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites than to spend eternity in hell with every hypocrite because that's where hypocrites are going. Hypocrites aren't saved. Hypocrites are pretenders and play actors. The completeness of separation, clearness of sight, the crying of supplication. But here's in verse 22, down through these verses, verse 27, 28. I want you to see the concern for sinners. The con there's something in hell we need in the church. Man, you say, Brother Buster, when you say, make a statement like that, it, it just must be the wrong way. You mean preachers, there, there's some things in hell. Uh, some things in hell we need. We need a concern for sinners. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That rich man had it. That rich man literally, literally cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus and dip his finger in water and cool my tongue. He was in torment in those flames. And if you're here tonight lost, look at me and listen to me for just a second. I want you to get this. You may walk out of here. You may say no to me and no to salvation and no to the Lord Jesus. But if you go to hell, I promise you, I've heard me and say, I've heard me and say, man, I want to go to hell, preacher. 
preacher. We're going to have a, a party down there. My rock and roll band will be down there. There was a group a few years ago named ACDC. They're still around. But ACDC had a song out, Highway to Hell. And in that song it said, uh, it said, Hey mama, look at me. I'm on my way to the promised land. I'm on my way, the highway to hell. No speed limits, no stop signs. Nobody gonna turn me around. It said, Hey Satan, pay my dues. Pay it on a rocking band. And that crowd laughed. I mean, ACDC wrote that song just to get out there and make money. And they laughed about a place called hell. Wasn't long after they recorded that song that the lead singer drowned in his own vomit in the back seat of an automobile. He OD'd and he, he, he drowned on his own regurgitation and, and probably split hell open, just split off into hell thinking about a highway to hell. I'm going to tell you, now you, may, hey, you better be careful about making fun now. You better be careful about saying, oh man, I don't believe you ain't going to scare me. You ain't going to run that old time religion on me. Hey, listen, you better think about where you're going to spend eternity. You are going to pull out of here one day, sir, ma'am, young man, young lady. And by the way, young people, listen to me. There's more than just old graves out there in the graveyards. There's some 17-year-old graves. There's some 15-year-old graves. There's some 10-year-old graves out there. Oh, you're going to spend eternity somewhere. There was a time when you were not. There was a time when you did not exist. But there'll never, never be in eternity future a time when you'll ever cease to be. There's a concern for souls. Notice what he said, that concern for sinners. He said sin. He said, would you send somebody to my five brothers? What well, have you ever thought about this? Reckon anybody's died and went to hell from out of Columbia, South Carolina, or out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Do you know anybody that may have died and went to hell? And there's a possibility that in hell they're crying out to God, please send somebody to my brothers, my sisters, my mother, I know how we all feel about it. I said, well, preacher, I, I don't want to insult people. And, you know, I, and I don't believe in being belligerent. And I don't believe in, 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 in acting like that, friend. But all I tell you, if we get to praying, and if we really get concerned and get broken and say, oh, God, help us to win some people to Jesus. Concerned with their souls, he said, see all he wanted Lazarus to do was give a testimony. That's what he said, send Lazarus. Send Lazarus, the Bible said. He said, send Lazarus that he, that he may, uh, I'm trying to find that verse there, send Lazarus. Verse 28, for I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. You know, all he wanted Lazarus to do, look at it, that he may testify unto them. I mean, all he wanted Lazarus to do was go back and, and just give a testimony. A testimony. Just testify. Surely we can do that, can't we? Surely we can do that. Now you think about it. Place where you work, on your job, you probably got co-laborers and co-employees that you work with. You, you know, you, you try to make conversation. 
You talk about the game costs. You, you talk about all. You talk about the weather. You talk about the farm. You talk about how dry it is. These things, and you know, casual conversation. And we, you know, what we think? Here's what we think. I'm going to tell them one day. I am going to talk to them one day about Jesus. But one day, maybe too late. One day might be too late. One day. I tell you, when we lose our concern for souls, then we've really lost something that's needed and vital in the church. Concern for sinners. And this is not a message for those of you that pass out tracts to stretch your stuff and look down on everybody else that you don't think measures up to your status quo. I tell you, this is this ought to just break our hearts. It's the whole call. Help me, Lord. Have a burden. Help me, help me to speak to somebody. And in this passage of Scripture, verse 30, in hell, you not only have a concern for sinners, but you have the correct way of salvation. The correct way of salvation. He said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went into them from the dead, they will repent. See, the rich man in hell knew he should have repented. He should have repented and took God's side against himself. He should have got right with God. That rich man, you, you know, you can read there and muse on that and meditate. He was probably a well-known man. He, he probably was an outstanding figure in society. They probably even had a funeral and, and, and had a eulogy and had some preacher get up and say some nice things. But the rich man was in hell simply because he did not repent. He did not repent. Now, I don't want to see nobody go to hell. Not really, not really. I don't want to see nobody go. I tell you, I'd like for us to come in here Sunday. The choir sing just, just good, tremendous. Sunday school be just so good. Let's pray before we get here, you know, and try to bring somebody with us. A while ago when Brother Lyle had all the men to come and pray, and he talked about this, this being a serious hour. He didn't have no idea what I was going to preach. And I thought, oh, Lord, so bright-minded. Sober eyed mind just a little bit. Now think about it. Think about those neighborhood kids. You know, the little girl, the little boy, long time waving at him, hollering at him, you know. Could we get one of them to come to church? That loved one, that mama, that daddy, that brother, that sister. During those days of Jimbo being lost, I, I could get him to go to church every now and then. When I really got down to business, I could get him to go to church every he said, the preacher didn't, but the gospel was having an effect on him. Every time a sinner is confronted with the gospel, they must make a decision. One man soweth and another man watereth, but it's God that giveth the increase. And it could be on a Sunday if we could get him to come in that the Lord might be pleased to give the increase. Some precious boy, some precious girl, some mother, some dad, some loved one gets saved at the grace of God. Now think some things in hell that we need in the church. Some things in hell that I need in my life. Now, I asked you a while ago, many of you raised your hands. We're going to go home. We're through. 
you many of you raised your hands to try to get somebody. If you're not careful by, by Saturday night, you'll forget about it. You'll, you'll, you'll forget about it. But if we'll go to work tomorrow and Thursday, Thursday and Friday, visit somebody, call somebody, and invite them to come. And then go get them. Hey, if you have to take them out to eat, nothing wrong with that. Offer to take them out to eat. Take, offer to have them over for lunch, you know. Let's try to get somebody to come with us. Just sow some seed this weekend. Some prayers. Now, I tell you what we need to do too. We need to ask God to forgive us. We need to ask God to forgive us. Because, you know, I'm looking back at them wagons. Them boys had the wagons. They had provision for the way. Joseph said, men, don't fall out by the way. Get those little ones on those wagons. Get your dad on there. Get your wives on there. Bring them down here to me. Now let's bow our heads and we preach it. We're going to go home. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Our musicians are coming. We're going to get a verse of invitation. Dan. You know, somebody may be here tonight lost without the Lord Jesus Christ. Lost without the Lord. I'll tell you something, friend. My dad... My dad was standing at a memorial service in a cemetery. It was raining that day. My dad only heard a little bit of what the preacher said. He was standing underneath outside of a little old tent they had erected. My dad was 27 years old, big robust man, had two scholarships to play college football. That man of God said, it's appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. And God took that verse of scripture and stuck it deep in my daddy's heart. You're listening to me. If you're here tonight lost, it's appointed unto us once to die. After this, the judgment. I wonder if there'd be anybody in this service tonight that slip up your hand and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not saved. Preacher, if I was to die tonight, I'd be I'd die unprepared to meet God. I don't know where I'm going to spend eternity, Preacher. Please pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. Wouldn't do it for nothing in the world. Would there be anybody say, Pray for me? Pray for me. I know we've already come and prayed. But I believe it'd just be right to close out in prayer. How many of you will come and say, Lord, I raised my hand a while ago and I meant it, Lord. I, I want you to deepen that commitment in my heart. Help me, Lord, this weekend to be able to get a hold of somebody. Then we might need to just say, Lord, forgive me. I have not had a burden for souls like I ought to. And some of us remember having a burden. Some of us used to have tears. Some of us used to weep over sinners. The cares of this life and different things have just about pushed that out of our life. Let's pray together. Our Father tonight, in Jesus' precious name, our Lord, we bow before you tonight and we've read right out of the Word of God Lord, where you described this horrible place called hell. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Lord, this is a good church. Lord, you know today, you know my conversation. You know I told the pastor today that this is one of the better churches that I go into across America. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us on this coming Lord's Day. Lord, if you don't come, Lord, if you don't come back to get the church, I pray that we try to bring somebody with us. I pray, Lord, you'd go before us. These people are thinking about others right now. 
Lord, they know individuals here in the Columbia area. I pray that you'd go before them and deal with hearts. And Lord, that you'd help them to be able to reach somebody. Lord, help us. Maybe some young boy, young girl, some parent, some family member. Lord, we could say it's friend day Sunday. We could bring a friend. Lord, I pray you'd help us. And then, Lord Jesus, I must confess to you tonight, I pray you'd forgive me for the lack of a burden for souls that I need, Lord, and I ought to have. Oh, dear God, help us to look upon those fields that are white already in the harvest. Lord, please, we pray that you'd give us a great day on Sunday. And I pray, Lord, that even before Sunday, Lord, it sure would be good to get up here Sunday and find out some people got saved over the weekend. Somebody went out and won somebody to the Lord and got a burden for somebody and saw them get saved. Now, Lord, we understand. We know you're the soul winner. Lord, salvation's of the Lord. And we know you must do that work. But, Lord, you use human instrumentality. Please help us, Lord. Please help us. And I thank you for these Sunday school teachers and these, Lord, the Awana workers that are here tonight. I thank you for them. Thank you for all the church. Lord, I pray that you just touch us in a special way for this weekend. Oh, dear God, we'd hear the cry of newborn babes around the altar. Sinners getting saved, Lord. Oh, please grant it, Lord. Help us. You work in our hearts now. Oh, Lord, I, I pray that serious business would go on here. Lord, you sobered this service tonight. When the pastor stood and asked the men to come and pray, I knew, Lord, that you're sobering the service. Lord, please forgive us. Lord, I remember reading a long time ago, Lord, how that, that man of God said we're guilty of spiritual manslaughter. Lord, by letting souls slip through our fingers that we fail to tell about the Lord Jesus. Please help us, Lord. Please help us now. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. Lord, please help us to give you the glory and the honor. Please help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray.